I'm joined on this podcast by two luminaries of the Leeds Hospital Radio Sport Broadcasting team in Alan Breeze and Jim Walker. And I can assure you that their sporting knowledge is much greater than their taste in football teams might suggest. Hello, both. <laughs> Hello. Hello there. <laughs> We'll crack on. Uh, we've got a lot to uh, to pick through. We'll um, we'll have a chat about our local football teams in West Yorkshire. We'll just have a quick Six Nations wash up. Uh, we've got uh, two weekends to go. Not this weekend is a free weekend, but then uh, uh, the final two weekends uh, see England playing both Ireland and France. Um, we'll touch on Super League. Leeds Rhinos in action as we speak. Uh, as we record this on Thursday evening, Leeds. Uh, are at Wakefield Trinity in a battle of the basement teams uh, in these early stages of uh, Super League 27. Um, there's cricket. Uh, England start their uh, test campaign in the West Indies next Tuesday. So we'll we'll have a look at that and then we'll f- we'll finish with uh, the, your sporting moments of the week. When I say yours, Alan's and Jim's sporting moments. Right, let's get cracking. So let's start with... Leeds United and what a momentous few days it's been at uh, Ellen Road. We're not going to talk about uh, Marcelo Bielso so much tonight because uh, we intend to pr- produce a podcast special in the uh, in the coming days to look at uh, Marcelo Bielsa's uh, many achievements at Leeds. Uh, but suffice to say, he's been um, replaced by the American Jesse Marsh and. Uh, his first game in charge will be on Saturday lunchtime in Leicester. It's Leicester City versus Leeds United, and Jesse Marsh will be looking to um, arrest a decline in form that's seen Leeds lose eight games out of the last 11, concede 17 goals in the last four games, and uh, 60 so far this season. Uh, we'll move over to Jim shortly because he'll have. Uh, um, plenty to say, I'm, I'm sure, on the subject, being a, a lifelong Leicester City fan. But first, Alan, uh, Leeds United, uh, will we see them marching on together on Saturday? Marching on together, oh dear. <laughs> um, I think uh, I've said many times on this uh, um, programme how much I enjoyed last season Leeds being the entertainers. Uh, that it's been entertaining watching Leeds matches this season, not always with the right result. And uh, I was fortunate to do the commentary on on Saturday for the Spurs uh, game at Elland Road. Alan, and, Alan, can I stop you there? Uh, I yeah. didn't press recording, actually. No, it's OK, I did. Ah, right, OK. Uh, we, may, well, we, may miss, we may have missed your first couple of words, but... Um, right, yeah. uh, I do apologise. Crack on. <laughs> OK. Um <laughs> So uh, we, we, we do our commentary for those uh, listeners who are not aware um, up in the gantry, just below the, the roof of the West Stand. And the, the aerial view of the, of the pitch is fantastic. What you never see on television is the um, the extent to which the play uh, at a soccer game is not where the camera is pointing, but it's all the running and chasing and covering and what have you, uh, which you see when you've got the full vision. Now, Harry Kane, uh, who I, I like a lot, to me was absolutely outstanding. Uh, somebody described him as as Glenn Hoddle uh, and a striker all in one. And, and that pretty well sums it up. He was everywhere and he could see that. 
um, from attack, defence, little flicks, 50-yard cross-field passes, etc. Now, why am, I, why am I saying this? The reason I'm saying it is that I don't think the Leeds United side had actually got any idea what was going on because um, the BBC pointed out on the match of the day, there's one uh, Leeds attack where there were nine Leeds players just outside the um, uh, the Spurs penalty area. Uh, the, the attack broke down and suddenly there were three Spurs players chasing after the ball with one defender. Now, this is this is naivety of a, a schoolboy level. And one of the uh, Jesse Marsh's uh, uh, comments, if you were to read it, was um, he's going to teach the team to actually follow what's going on on the pitch. And uh, I think that, that little, uh, little, little uh, example I've given you sums up Leeds' problems. They are massively enthusiastic, good players, wholly committed, but tactically naive. So uh, where does that leave us? I think it leaves us in a situation that Leicester are going to have to work a lot harder um, than any of the other opponents Leeds have played. Um, I mean, Liverpool, 6-0. Uh, somebody said two, two disputed fen- uh, penalties and four breakaways. I, I wasn't there, I don't know. But they were so naive uh, when they played Spurs. Great game to watch, but really not premiership defending. Mm. Very good points indeed, Alan. I, I'm just um, I'm intrigued by how this uh, whole man marking uh, system seems to have just broken down um, this season because uh, it was uh, Marcel Bielsa certainly hasn't gone away from his principles. He uh, uh, that same man marking system was in place last year, and Leeds United were the darlings of the Premier League. But maybe it's just that. Uh, you know, second season syndrome, and you know, there are some smart coaches about in the Premier League, and maybe it's just that Leeds have been sussed out and do need to find a, a, a plan B, uh, which um, uh, Marcelo Bielsa was uh, clearly not uh, keen on adopting. Anyway, uh, well, let's uh, let's get Jim's view. Uh, Jim, I'll remind you, um, this is a Leeds Hospital Radio Sport podcast, and although it will be picked up across the uh, the interweb. It will be it will be broadcast across Leeds hospitals. So uh, just mind what you say, Jim. <laughs> yes. Well, Stuart, um, I watched the uh, the Tottenham game um, on television, and um, my take on this, as a sort of semi semi neutral, was that um, all the blame is always heaped on the defence because they let a lot of goals in because of this man marking which leaves gaps behind and people play into those. Um, but in fact, somebody ought to be looking at the forwards because I saw, I think, at least three chances which most other teams in the Premier League would have put away. Um, and in particular, the one where Stuart Dallas went round the goalkeeper and still couldn't get the ball in the goal. Um, so um, I think the forwards have got a lot to take responsibility for uh, as well um, and uh, there's no doubt that the the injuries to Cooper um, and the the other Bamford and um, uh, Kelvin Phillips um, have made an enormous difference because yeah. I think Phillips in particular 
helps them to cope with the system where they press up man-to-man marking, but then when they lose the ball, there's these grass acres of space in behind. And just like a basketball team, the other sides are so coached now, they, they run in different directions and they end up with, uh, with chances, uh, chances on goal. So um, what I expect will happen on Saturday is that Marsh will attempt to get a point. And I think the way he'll probably do that is to play with three centre-backs and a couple of wing-backs um, and to hope to stifle uh, Leicester, give up the possession and just effectively try and park the bus um, in front. Now, that, um, uh, that, that may work. Uh, it depends on he's had long enough with the players to coach them into this different way of playing because, of course, it mustn't be forgotten. And I know this will come up when they do the special, um, that most of these players uh, owe their careers to Bielsa because, in effect, they were championship players who Bielsa has transformed into half-decent Premier League uh, performers. Um, now, that still doesn't alter the fact that at heart they are probably, most of them, championship players. I, I exclude Rafinha from that, who I think is a, an absolute class act. So I think a lot of it will be about the attitude of the, the Leeds players uh, and whether they feel they've let Bielsa down or uh, what their mindset is going to be going into this game with Leicester. Um Second point I think I would make is that as far as Leeds' season is concerned, it's not Saturday that's going to define this. What is going to define Leeds' season is how they do against Brentford and how they do against Norwich and how they do against Watford. If they were to get a win in those three games, then I think all is well. Um, if uh, And I've felt that for a while. Um, the fact they've let a lot of goals in against uh, Liverpool and Tottenham and so on, um, doesn't conceal the fact that they are top-flight attacking teams. And any weakness in the defence is going to be found out by those teams. It won't be found out to quite the same extent by um, Watford, by Brentford or by uh, Norwich. So um, uh, I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Leeds. So I think that's, that's, that's the good news. I think basically... The team is sound, um, but they do need, as Alan says, some tactical tactical nows. Um, now, the bad news um, is that I watched the whole of the Leicester versus Burnley match, or the Burnley versus Leicester match, getting the right order, on Tuesday night. And Leicester played better than they have played for weeks. They were on it from... First kick till last kick, um, their energy level was back. Uh, they kept a clean sheet, and more importantly, Jamie Vardy was back. And uh, I think that's what I would worry about if I was a Leeds supporter: that you could be playing Leicester at the wrong time. Had you played Leicester a couple of weeks back, particularly after the Nottingham Forest defeat, um, then. I think there would have been some semblance of a, a chance of a victory or at least a draw. Um, I think the way that Leicester played on Tuesday, uh, with Harvey Barnes being unstoppable, 
Jamie Vardy back, Madison being getting back to pretty close to his to his best. Um, I think does not augur augur well for Leeds. Um, and had it not been for Nick Pope on Tuesday, and I read conflicting reports on this, having watched the game, um, I thought um, uh, the, um, the 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 um, uh, mobile app. Um, sort of player markings called it right. I read the report in the Telegraph and didn't think the chap was at the same game because Nick Pope made four saves which were not run-of-the-mill saves by any means and in effect prevented four goals. And if they'd have gone in, nobody would have really blamed the goalkeeper because it was his speed of reaction and his, his good luck to a certain extent. He put his arm out and the ball hit it and it went over the bar. But nevertheless, his speed of reaction was such that he kept Burnley single-handedly in that game, um, and had it been had it not been for him, he would have they would have lost conceded five, not one, no two, sorry. Mm. So um, the um, prognosis for me is that I think Leicester will win. Um, I don't think it'll be by the sort of cricket score that Leeds have been conceding goals because I don't think they're necessarily as good near goal as as other teams. But um, I think that Jamie Vardy back um, and the inspiration he will give Harvey Barnes on full 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 throttle, and I think that will be a key issue as to how Harvey Barnes and Luke Ayling face up. Um, um, but um, teams do get a new manager bounce, so it will be a question as to just to whether Jesse Marsh can get that uh, that bounce, uh, and that to a certain extent I think depends on what the mindset of the dressing room is. I never heard any uh, report of dressing room unrest with Bielsa. So how are the players going to be feeling about Jesse Marsh having turned up with, one has to say, a not fantastic track record over the last 12 months. In fact, not a fantastic track record when you've been the number one coach rather than supporting another coach. So his pedigree is good in terms of who he's worked with. But in terms of his results as an individual manager, uh, I remain to be convinced. So that would right. be my um, uh, assessment. I hope I've not upset too many people with that. Um, but um, uh, time will tell. But I think the two games next week, Aston Villa followed by Norwich, are the two games that Leeds will be really be focusing on the two home games um, rather than uh, the Leicester game. On Saturday, if anything, you get anything out of Saturday, I think you've got it as a bonus. But I think yep. the crunch games are next week. Thanks, Jim. I don't know whether I should um, build that as a soliloquy or a monologue, but um, no. it was certainly very comprehensive. Could, uh, could, could uh, I just come back with a few questions of Jim? Uh, I mean, yeah. um, interesting to hear about Burnley, Jim. Uh, I think I think they're from Lancashire, uh, and we, we don't tend to dwell too long on Lancashire clubs over here. Um, <laughs> and the, the only Burnley player you mentioned was the goalkeeper. Presumably they had, they had some more people playing for them as well, didn't they? Uh, they did, but um, <laughs> they weren't really at the races. Um, oh, OK. Well, that's all right then. No, that's a wind-up. So, <laughs> anyway, so, so you're taking uh, Leicester to win, I think, Jim. I'm not having this semi-neutrality, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Will allow you the, uh, the, the the opportunity to f- tell it like it is. Right, let's move on. Huddersfield Town. Now then, off the field, Phil Hodgkinson, who um, 
bought the club from Dean Hoyle uh, some years ago. Um, he's, uh, his position really became untenable after several of his businesses fell into administration at the back end of last year and on Monday resigned from the board of directors. Uh, and the news is that uh, Dean Hoyle, formerly the owner, of course, of uh, uh, of town when they famously uh, got promoted to the Premier League um, uh, through the playoffs. He remains a 25 percent um, shareholder in the business and he's in discussions over uh, acquiring the entirety of the shares in the club. He's already taken the reins financially and the day to day running. Uh, so I think uh, I think town fans. He's a lifelong time town fan himself. Is Dean Hoyle uh, already uh, a, a legend um, in in the town? And uh, I'm sure town fans will be very excited that uh, uh, he's back in the picture. Um, but that's off the field. Um, Alan Town, 17 games unbeaten in all competitions now. Uh, they have an FA Cup. Uh, game a last 16 match on Monday evening against Nottingham Forest who uh, of course beat the holders Leicester City uh, earlier on in the competition um, just get that in Jim yeah. um, and, and, uh, <laughs> and as a consequence of that both Forest and uh, Town are in league action tomorrow night and Forest uh, it's a big pardon Town are at home to uh, to lowly Peterborough uh, whose uh, manager uh, Darren Ferguson uh, departed, I think, for the third time, actually, recently. <laughs> uh, so, Town, only two points off at Bournemouth in third place. This is an opportunity for them to move into the automatic um, positions, Alan. Well, yes, indeed. I mean, they've surpassed everybody's expectations. Uh, just to say a few words about about the um, the, um, the returning um, Huddersfield uh, chairman, he actually partly partly when he left, he was in ill health, and I think he's over that. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 good news. But yes, um, I'm I flabbergasted having I think endured watching Huddersfield for the last few years. I'm I'm just almost without words to describe how how pleasant a season it's been for them. They've been enjoyable to watch. The results are there. They work like Trojans. They beat Fulham. Um, the runaway people, and for me, they're always going to win that league for them. Um, and that's just an incredible turnaround for Huddersfield. And um, I'm sure they'll they'll take Peterborough in their stride uh, tomorrow evening. Um, whether they go and, uh, and beat Notts, I don't know. Not not Notts Forest, that is, um, because uh, Notts Forest themselves have had some some of a turnaround in form. Um, I think if, it, if the game had been played two months ago, Huddersfield would have won it. But uh, uh, new manager Notts has, has uh, steadied the ship, and I wouldn't rule Notts out of um, being in the playoffs. But yeah, I would have given nothing, Huddersfield no chance of being in the playoffs. Now I think it's every chance they're going to get in the playoffs in the league, starting with another win tomorrow night. Yeah, I, the. Uh... What really strikes me is the strength in depth now of the town squad. And last year it was uh, it was threadbare. But um, you know the transfer, the January transfer window for me brought some sign of the club's financial health, um, and also uh, just showed I think 
how they were where they were how they were able to uh, to to strengthen further the squad you know every senior player was retained and they actually brought three new signings in to bolster the squad they had two free agents the backup goalkeeper Jamal Blackman who's uh, who's useful Carol Eiting who they brought back who'd been released by Genk in Belgium uh, Eiting was on loan at town last year from uh, from from Ajax and played well in a in a team that was struggling, and also they've got a Chelsea loanee Tino Angerin, who uh, who came in injured actually, but is now fit and uh, may well make his debut this weekend. But uh, yeah, good times for Town. Uh, as I say, they they'll go second uh, ahead of Bournemouth uh, if they win tomorrow night, and uh, Bournemouth have got a very difficult game on Saturday against Preston North End. So it may well be that <laughs> Huddersfield Town retain their position in the automatics over over the weekend as they go into uh, into the game on Monday. Well, I'm conscious of time, so with apologies to Bradford City and Harrogate Town, I think we'll we'll leave football and uh, let's just have a look at um uh, Six Nations Six Nations Rugby Union. Um in England it was the third weekend in the weekend just gone. Uh, England uh, beat Wales by uh, 23 points to 19. It was a tight game. Um, Jim, uh, how do you see the Six Nations so far? And in particular, I'm interested in uh, your views on uh, England, who appear to be in tra- transition. They, w- they haven't been particularly convincing so far, but the World Cup is is not too far away. Where are we with England? Well, I, I watched the England uh, um, game. And uh, I th- was disappointed because I thought all the things that normally England have been so good at, like the line out and the scrum, just didn't seem to uh, seem to function fully properly in my view. Um, I don't think I, I've, I've never been a great fan of uh, Daly or Slade for that matter. Um, I didn't think there was much promise through the through the centre. Uh, they scored a try that was a post-match was a disputed one because I think there was a seemed to be a consensus that Toji had actually uh, fouled in the line-out before the ball got to Dombrandt. Um, I don't think Dombrandt is Vinopola. Um, and so if they're going to do anything in the World Cup, uh, to me, they're going to have to develop very quickly. Um, Harry Randall had a, a decent game. My concern with Harry Randall is that sooner or later somebody's going to flatten him, and I'm not sure he's going to withstand the flattening. Uh, and to me, uh, his his length of pass um, isn't quite long enough. Um, so consequently, Smith takes it earlier, but that means he's also, Smith, will be closer to the flank forwards uh, attempting to uh, to tackle him. So I think that's a, that's a problem. Plus it's for England. To me, Stewart is the great plus. I think as a fullback, he seems outstanding under the high ball. Um, he's good at attacking. He's a big lad. Um, but to me, there, are, there seem to be quite a lot of question marks left. And now, of course, they've lost Cowan Dickey for the rest of the competition. He may not even play again this season. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a blow. I mean, Jamie George is a good hooker, but the backup, I'm not quite sure where that's going to come from. I think the Newcastle, uh, Hooker is in line for that. But to me, um, this is the stage where you really want your best 15 out every week playing together. And I just don't see that with, with England at the moment. Now, 
they may pull out a performance against uh, Ireland and, and against France. Um, but to me, when I watched them play over the weekend, they had a pace about them, particularly in the yeah. attack, um, that, that England won't be able to, to cope with. So, um, so a bit disappointed, I suppose, is the, is yeah. the sum up, uh, Stuart. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right, Jim. I, I, you know, uh, I mean, I, England have got Ireland and France to play, and, and they'll be the yardstick of how far England have progressed and how far they've got to go, and it'll determine really what the distance is between them. I think France are really impressive. You know, they're building to a home World Cup. Um, yeah. uh, Ireland are number four test nation, I think, at the moment, and it just appears that both of those teams have much more amb- ambitious game plans and, and, you know, they match that up with uh, accurate execution and uh, an underlying power as well. So uh, I think we've got uh, I think we've got some way to go. But uh, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that again next week. As uh, yeah. Debbie, just just one one final point, Stuart, is I was quite surprised that Eddie Jones has released George Ford mm. to play in the match against Saracens this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, if anything happens to Smith and Ford was to get injured on Saturday. Not yep. quite sure where, where that leaves yep. them either, but there we go. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the Six Nations. Uh, let's move on to, to cricket. And um, as I said at the top of the programme, uh, next Tuesday, I think it is, uh, the first test starts in the West Indies, between West Indies and England. It's at the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium in Antigua. Am I, am I correct in that? Yes. I think so. I, I, I know it's Sir Vivian Richards Stadium will be in Antigua. I'm just checking that uh, they're, they're there first. I think they're in Antigua and Barbados. Uh, gone are the days when they would uh, play in Guyana, and uh, I think there's 25 years since they played a Test match in Guyana, uh, and sometimes since they played in Jamaica. And they're, they're now heading for the tourist hotspots, uh, and that's probably uh, determined by. Um, where the money is for the West Indian Cricket Board and the economy generally. But um, uh, less of that and uh, more of the upcoming a- action. Um, Alan, of course, the selection, the England selection for the tour was dominated by uh, what has been termed the dropping of uh, James Anderson and Stuart Broad, uh, which clearly does give... Um, uh, other bowlers an opportunity to come through I think firstly where do you stand on Broad and Anderson not going to the West Indies is this the end for them is, or is it the right thing to to have a look at uh, what else we've got in our locker and, and and secondly how do you see the series going sorry the seamers going the series seamers will go well yeah I'm not surprised that um uh, the two leading um, bowlers for England have, have been rested. Um, whether they play again or not, I don't know. It will de- depend on early season uh, performance and injuries. I don't think it will do them any harm to be rested. Whether I would have taken them or not, I, I really don't know. Because for me, cricket's gone a little bit on the back burner. We don't even know whether we've got a cricket side in Yorkshire for next season. So, um, you know, there's more important things to worry about than England at the minute. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think they're both capable of coming back. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson, for his age, is, is incredibly fit um, physically. And um, uh, Stuart Broad wants to play. He's desperate to play. So, no, I don't think it's the end at all. Um, the series is... I don't know, the West Indies uh, are not into 
into Test cricket um, as much as they once were in the heady days where they had four big quickies and would bowl everybody out in next to no time. Um, they, they concentrate on the uh, on the shorter form of the game, and I think some of the the bigger, more physical players uh, that used to play cricket for the West Indies now play bas- um, basketball in in Florida or wherever. So that the 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 dollar has taken its toll there. Um, from a Yorkshire point of view, we've got um, Johnny Burstow. Thank goodness he's there in his own own merit, as opposed to being sort of call up Johnny because we've got a problem. Um, Joe Root, I think, wasn't the major problem in in previous performances, and uh, I hope he'll learn from that and do well. Um, and young Fisher there is is uh, was twelfth man, I think, for the the warm up. Uh, game. Whether he's going to perform at international level, time will tell. He's a very able man, uh, or young man. Um, too many injuries, perhaps, is, is a big question mark there. So I, I think it's a, it's a wait and see series, in all honesty. I suspect England will win the series, but um, not dominate it. Hi, Jim. Um... The amazing stat is that England have only won two series in the West Indies in the last five decades. Now, uh, you're a you're a Leicester man, of course, so I'm going to rely on you to uh, uh, bring a less myopic parochial uh, Yorkshire view on this. And uh, uh, just maybe give us a couple of names in the squad to uh, to look out for that you're looking forward to seeing who for whom it might be a breakthrough series. Well, um, I think the first one is Alex Lees, who is, of course, known to Yorkshire Yorkshire people. Um, he's... Oh, I think we've lost Jim. Alan, are you still there? Well, well, I'm here. I didn't actually hear who Jim had named. Uh, it sort of dis- disappeared yeah. from my radar. What, who did he name? Alex Lees. So do you want oh, to talk I mean, about Alex, Alex Leeds? Well, Alex Leeds. Well, I, I can talk about Alex Leeds with some authority, actually. Uh, he's he's uh, related to one of our premier commentators in Leeds Hospital Radio Sports. Uh, I won't name him because he'd be too embarrassed. But um, he, he cracked on very, very well for Yorkshire, highly promising. And I don't think I'd be telling tales out of school to say I think there was a difference of opinion and a motivational issue with regard to the... He's him. The, could, be, um, it could be a big um, a big series. Um, uh, it would be nice to think Matthew Fisher will get a game. I'm more concerned with Matthew Fisher that everybody that goes into the England setup as a fast bowler usually comes back injured. Um, and given that Matthew Fisher isn't the... Um, has, has had injury problems in the past, I'm frightened to death that the England bowling... Uh, coaching setup will try and do things with him that he's not used to, and he'll end up with a stress fracture here, there, or anywhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, certainly the two opening bats, batsmen seem to me, or batters as we have to call them these days, ridiculous. Um, two opening batters are the two for me that um, have the most to gain from this series. Thanks, Jim. Well, 
I have to tell you that we actually lost you just as you'd named Alex Lees. Now, um, oh. Andy Mason, who's our chairman, chairman of Lees Hospital Risk Sport and also our producer, will normally uh, go through our recording and uh, try and edit it and make some sense of it. But uh, I think we just should leave it as it is, actually, because Alan uh, did really well in, in taking up the reins and talking about Alan Lees. Uh, Alex Lees, I beg your pardon. Uh, and uh, I, assume, I, I, I take it, therefore, your second selection was Zach Crawley, who's the, uh, yeah. the, the other opening batter. And I, I agree entirely with you. I think it's, an, it's a great opportunity uh, for both um, Alex Lees as, uh, as debutants and, and, and Zach Crawley to build on his, um, uh, well, his early reputation. And, of course, his 270 odd or whatever it was he scored against Pakistan. Um, struggled along with uh, everybody else in, in, in Australia but uh, I, I do think quite a lot of uh, Zach Crawley I think he's got a great opportunity here to see, uh, to, um, to cement his position at the top of the order Stuart, uh, may, uh, may I just put a call out uh, on the subject of cricket uh, this mm. won't take long um, I, I think Jim may not be aware but I, I take part in something called walking cricket uh, you, do, you don't get runs at walking cricket you get walks but anyway, that's just a little <laughs> little aside. And um, we play in the, uh, used to be called the Winter Shed at Headingley through the winter months. And it's really good fun. Uh, the the um, it, It's done under the auspices of the University of the Third Age. Uh, we're all over, certainly all over 50, and most of us are over 60. And it's split 50-50 men and women, um, roughly. And on... Tuesday of next week, it's International Women's Day, and we're going to have our Leeds ladies playing the ladies from Barnsley in walking cricket. And I, and I was honoured to, 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 to be asked to do a commentary, an yeah. indoor walking cricket commentary. Now, I don't think we've got that technology to record it, and it's probably just as well anyway. But I would just like to say well done to the University of the Third Age and what goes with it to get such uh, enthusiasm from ladies well into their senior years, some of whom have never played cricket before. They're active and they're really up for it. And uh, well, done. well done. So where where is the game next Tuesday? It's it's uh, heading the, the the what used to be the winter shed across the road from the the main ground. Uh, we'll be there ten o'clock. Right. Don't what be time? late. We take ten o'clock. Ten o'clock, ten o'clock till twelve. Right. Well, if, uh, if, so anybody does, if anybody does pick this up and uh, is inspired to go along to uh, Headingley next Tuesday for a 10 o'clock start, then please do introduce yourself to uh, our colleague uh, Alan Breeze and just just uh, tell Alan that you heard him on the uh, Sports Huddle <laughs> podcast. And that would really make all our days, I think. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, uh, as usual, I'll be in for a ticking off from uh, from our uh, producer about running over, but um, I'm not going to stop just yet uh, because uh, we always close the po- we end the podcast with uh, uh, with our sporting moments of the week. So uh, we're going to have to keep it brief, guys. But uh, uh, Jim, you go first. Your sporting moment of the week. Uh, yeah, this is uh, those of you that watch Pointless 5:15 on a. Uh, um, uh, daytime evening. Uh, this will be some new. If uh, they they were if they were asked, uh, would be a pointless answer. Uh, Trains in Sheffield has a nickname Fantastic, and the real name Fan Zhengji. And for those of you that don't know, on Sunday he won. 
the European Masters snooker, beating Ronnie O'Sullivan in a last frame decider 10-9. And this was fantastic because um, up until then, his highest ever position in any tournament he played over the last four years was a quarterfinal in the German Masters earlier this year. Uh, he lost his uh, tour card in 2019, got it back through the, the qualifying school, world, world ranked 118 at the end of last season, world ranked 80 going into this tournament, uh, and went and beat Ronnie O'Sullivan at 10-9. Absolutely fantastic, tremendous temperament, knocked in a break of 92, uh, a joy to watch. Brilliant, Jim. Thank you very much. And that's uh, that's a great sporting moment, is that? And Alan... Your sporting moment of the week. Well, I will be brief, but I did some research on this. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the people I've consulted with, one was an Arsenal fan, and he thought that uh, Spurs <laughs> losing at Middlesbrough was was the week. Um, I've also got a Rangers fan who uh, thought that they were going to catch up Celtic, and they didn't. But on a serious note, uh, and it wasn't a point in time, because this has been going on for six or seven days now, but the uh, the spin-off from the horrendous atrocities in Ukraine and, uh, and Russia, uh, or by Russia, uh, really, it's thrown not only the world into turmoil, but, but sport in general. And most of the sporting uh, ruling bodies have got it right. Um, eventually, I think they've all got it right. But by goodness, don't they, don't they make a meal of... Uh, making the right decision when it comes to uh, how to deal with this world disaster. But it ain't going to go away anytime soon. That's very true. That's very true. And uh, my, very briefly, my sporting moment of the week, and uh, we, we are in uh, very difficult times, um, but it was a heartwarming story uh, at the weekend and involves uh, Christian Eriksen. Uh, who um, the we saw him on the football pitch at the weekend. The last time we saw him on the football pitch before that, he was in desperate straits and fighting for his life um, in um, uh, in a football stadium in in Denmark. But uh, remarkably, uh, he's been restored to health and uh, uh, finally uh, got on the pitch at the weekend as a substitute for Brentford and I have to say show some very, very um, quality uh, passes and touches as soon as he came on. But uh, in these very difficult times, that was um, a really heartwarming moment, I thought. Well, that's it. We've got to wrap it up, gentlemen. Uh, I hope that um, uh, those of you who hear this in uh, in the Leeds hospitals, uh, we wish you uh, a very speedy re- recovery and a return to your uh, family and friends as soon as uh, as possi- possibly can be. And for those listening to us across the Internet, then please do tune in for next week's edition of the Sports Huddle. Uh, uh, it just remains for me to, uh, to bring uh, this recording to a close by saying thank you very much to Alan. Thank you to Jim. Thanks both. And um, we'll see everybody soon. Bye for now.